Welcome to Stories of Rune Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Rune Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe where honor, family, and tragedy play out on a grand stage. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Again, think of this as an audiobook of leaked stories and lore by yours truly. This week's story, and I'm sorry it's late, guys, uh, it's our final summer double feature, Yasuo the Unforgiven and Yone the Unforgotten. And I guess now for my terrible impressions. Death is like the wind, always by my side. Liam, if you ever listen to this, maybe one day I'll be as good an actor as you. And they look at me and only see the mask. I look at them and see only their fears. An Ionian of deep resolve, Yasuo is an agile swordsman who wields the air itself against his enemies. As a proud young man, he was falsely accused of murdering his master. Unable to prove his innocence, he was forced to slay his own brother in self-defense. In time, his master's true killer was revealed, and his brother mysteriously returned from death. Yet, Yasuo could not forgive himself for all that he had done. And now... He wanders the world with only the wind to guide his blade. In life, he was Yone, half-brother of Yasuo, and renowned student of his village's sword school. But upon his death at the hands of his brother, he found himself hunted by a malevolent entity of the spirit realm, and was forced to slay it with his own sword. Now cursed to wear its demonic mask upon his face, Yone tirelessly hunts all such creatures in order to understand what he has become. Well, thanks again for tuning in this week. Um, again, sorry it's a little late, but uh, hey, better late than never at this point. And this, you'll find, won't have a ton of the post edits just because I'd rather get it out to you guys than say otherwise. I did get my special bonus thing that I got recorded done. Uh, it is a... Um, live play of the Star Guardian universe using the Fate Core system. So I got a bunch of my friends together and we'll have a live play tabletop RPG adventure in Runeterra. Uh, at least the Star Guardians version of it. I'd love to do more of those uh, once it's out and it's going to take me a while to get it edited and released, but I'm hoping to get that done within the next month. Let me know what you guys think of it. If you'd love to hear more of it, if you're excited to hear about that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, other than that, I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, let's get into our stories. As a child, Yasuo often believed what the others in his village said of him. On the best days, his very existence was an error in judgment. On the worst, he was a mistake that could never be undone. Like most pain, there was some truth to it. His mother was a widow already raising a young son, when the man who would be Yasuo's father blew into her life like an autumn wind. And, just like that lonely season, he was gone again before the blanket of Ionian winter settled over the small family. Even though Yasuo's older half-brother Yone was everything Yasuo was not, respectful, cautious, conscientious, 
The two were inseparable. When other children teased Yasuo, Yone was there to defend him. But what Yasuo lacked in patience, he made up for in determination. When Yone began his apprenticeship at the village's renowned sword school, a young Yasuo followed, waiting outside in monsoon rain until the teachers relented and opened the gates. Much to the annoyance of his new peers, Yasuo showed natural talent and became the only student to catch the attention of Elder Soma, the last master of the legendary wind technique. The old man saw Yasuo's potential, but the impulsive pupil refused his tutelage, remaining unbridled like a whirlwind. Yone pleaded with his brother to set aside his arrogance, gifting him a maple seed, the school's highest lesson in humility. The next morning, Yasuo accepted the position as Soma's apprentice and personal bodyguard. When the word of the Noxian invasion reached the school, some were inspired by the great stand that had been taken at the Placidium of Navori, and soon the village was bled of the able-bodied. Yasuo longed to add his sword to the cause, but even as his classmates and brother left to fight, he was ordered to remain and protect the elders. The invasion became a war. Finally, one rain-slicked night, the drums of a Noxian march could be heard in the next valley over. Yasuo abandoned his post, foolishly believing he could turn the tide. But he found no battle, only a raw grave for hundreds of Noxian and Ionian corpses. Something terrible and unnatural had happened here, something that no single blade could have stopped. The land itself seemed tainted by it. Sobered, Yasuo returned to the school the next day, only to be surrounded by the remaining students, their swords drawn. Elder Soma was dead, and Yasuo found himself accursed not only of dereliction, but of murder. He realized the true killer would go unpunished if he did not act quickly, so he fought his way free, though he knew it would all but confirm his apparent guilt. Now a fugitive in a war-torn Ionia, Yasuo sought any clue that might lead him to the murderer. All the while, he was hunted by his former allies, continually forced to fight or die. This was the price he was willing to pay, until he was tracked down by the one he dreaded the most, his brother, Yone. Bound by honor, they circled each other. When their swords finally met, Yasuo's wind magic overcame Yone's dual blades. And with a single flash of steel, the outcast cut his brother down. He begged forgiveness, but Yone's dying words were of the wind techniques responsible for Elder Soma's death, and that his brother was the only one who could have known them. Then he fell silent, passing on before he could grant any absolution. Without master or brother, Yasuo roamed the mountains distraught, drinking away the pain of war and loss, a sword without a sheath. There in the sword, he met Talia, a young Shuriman stone mage who had fled the Noxian military. In her, Yasuo saw an unlikely student, and in himself, an even more unlikely teacher. He trained her in the ways of elemental magic wind-shaping stone, embracing at last the teachings of Elder Soma. Their world changed with rumors of a risen Shuriman god-emperor. Yasuo and Talia parted ways, though he gifted her the treasure of a maple seed, its lesson 
now learned. As she returned to her native desert sands, Yasuo sent out for his own village, determined to put right his mistakes and find his old master's true killer. Within the stone walls of the council hall, Elder Soma's death was revealed to have been an accident, one brought about by the Noxian exile known as Riven, and one for which she felt deep remorse. Even so, Yasuo could not absolve himself of the choice he had made to abandon his master, or, worse yet, how that choice had ultimately led to Yone's death. Yasuo eventually journeyed to the Spirit Blossom Festival in Weile, though he held little hope that its healing rituals would ease his heart. It was there he encountered a demonic creature that sought to devour him, an Azakana that fed on his pain and regret. Yet a masked intruder intervened, striking down the creature with righteous fury, and Yasuo realized he knew this man. It was Yone. Fully expecting his brother to take vengeance, Yasuo was surprised when Yone let him go with little more than a bitter blessing. With nothing left for him in the first lands, Yasuo has embarked on a new adventure. Though he knows not where it will lead, his sense of guilt the only thing weighing down the free wind. In life, Yone adhered to a strict code of honor and duty. Even as a child, his love for his family led him to assume the mantle of protector, motivated in no small way by the loss of his father. This was in stark contrast to his half-brother, Yasuo, who was brash and reckless where Yone was patient and disciplined. Still, the two were inseparable, and when Yone began his studies at the renowned sword school near the village, Yasuo followed. As they trained, Yone was often forced to temper his younger brother's impulsiveness. However, when Yasuo refused the personal tutelage of Elder Soma, master of the legendary wind technique, Yone gifted him a maple seed, a symbol of humility, as a sign of his support and encouragement. Yone was proud of his brother, but he had doubts about the wise master's judgment, fearing that Yasuo's impulsive nature would make him a poor student. But Elder Soma was well-respected, and he did not make careless decisions. Putting his concerns aside, Yone continued to practice with dual blades, his prowess quickly earning the respect and admiration of his fellow disciples. Though Yone's skill was unmatched, Yasuo's use of the wind technique made their sparring sessions a sight to behold and a joy to the brothers themselves. But that joy did not last long. War came to Ionia. Yone, along with many other disciples, left to defend against the approaching Noxian forces while Yasuo reluctantly stayed behind to protect his master. But one fateful night, Elder Soma was discovered dead, slain by the very wind technique that he taught. When Yone returned, he found that Yasuo had fled. This shook Yone to the core. His fears were proven true. Elder Soma had been wrong. Yone blamed himself. If Yasuo had murdered Soma, Yone had failed to teach him the righteous path. If Yasuo had simply abandoned his post and allowed his master to die, 
then Yone had failed to instill him with discipline. Either way, Yasuo had already killed several of those who pursued him, and to Yone, their blood stained his own hands as much of his brother's. He tracked Yasuo down, and when their swords finally crossed, Yone's steel was unmatched, but Yasuo's mastery of the wind cut his brother down. Death, however, was not the end. When Yone awoke within the spirit realm, the weight of his failure crushed him. His fury flared and he pounded his fists on the ground in rage. A rumbling laugh pierced his thoughts. He turned and beheld a monstrous humanoid spirit with a blood-red blade. It was a powerful Azakana, a predatory entity that had long stalked Yone from beyond the veil. Before Yone could speak, it struck. He drew the spiritual echoes of his blades to his side just in time to block the attack. He once again found himself in a duel where his swordsmanship was unparalleled, but he was overwhelmed by magic. Anger consumed him. A lifetime of honor and duty snapped. In one furious moment, Yone wrestled the Yakana. In one furious moment, Yone wrestled the Azakana's blade from it and ran the creature through. The last thing he heard before a new darkness took him was that same rumbling laughter. As he came to, Yone found himself back in the material realm though it was a grim shadow of what had been. He struggled to his feet, the spirit realm hazy in his mind, and a blood-red sword in his hand. Upon his head, a mask had coalesced in the form of the Azakana's face. He could not remove it. He could now see other Azakana through its eyes. They were not yet true demons, content to feed on negativity before eventually manifesting to devour their hosts, but, as Yone would discover, if an Azakana's name was learned, they could be reduced to inert masks of personified emotion. Even so, he could not tell if or when the Azakana he wore would reawaken to consume him. In life, Yone had worn the mask of protector, brother, and disciple for so long that it had become his identity. But now, in moments of stillness, he swears he can feel the mask shifting upon his face, his own past and unresolved conflict with Yasuo now paling in comparison to this new threat. Yone hunts these insidious creatures in an attempt to understand what he has become, with each name bringing him a step closer to uncovering that of the one whose laughter still haunts him. Nothing else matters. There is only the chase of truth. Today we're going to listen to the stories Severed by Michael Yuchao and A Sword Without a Sheath by Joe Lansford. These two I picked from the plethora of stories because there are some really good truths in them, like deep, good things that we can learn from, and I really enjoyed that. So 
Here we go. First, Severed by Michael Yichao. The boy ran at a dead sprint, driven by terror. Under the silver of a waning moon, darkness swallowed his surroundings with only the faintest starlight giving a silver sheen to the misty night. Silhouettes of trees flashed by. The lantern in the boy's hand flickered and sputtered, in danger of snuffing out. But it was not the darkness he feared. It was the thing that stalked him in the darkness. The boy had felt it at first, a a sudden chill in the summer air, a creeping dread that clutched at his heart. Sensations that he might have dismissed as symptoms of the late hour or a long night. On any other occasion, he would have chastised himself for indulging his imagination. He was 13 now, too old to be afraid of darting shadows and harmless spirits. But but this spirit had opened glowing blue eyes and stared into his soul. This shadow had whispered his name. The boy risked a glance behind him to see if it still followed and promptly slammed into something. He fell back. The breath knocked from his lungs and his lantern clattered to his side, its weak light fluttering wildly. Surprise and pain shifted quickly to fear as he saw the figure looming over him. A man, tall and lithe, stood with a bare torso, unfazed by the unusually chilly night. From the waist down, loose robes billowed in the wind, frayed from wear. An intricate belt of woven rope tied strange masks across his waist, monstrous visages trapped in alabaster. Bandages bound both his arms, and each hand grasped a blade, one of tempered steel shimmering in the moonlight, and the other shining an ominous red. Yet, it was the man's face that had left the boy frozen. Those cold, Blue eyes peered down through a cruel mask that radiated the same strange red as the man's blade. The mask grasped the man's face, nearly devouring his stern frown. Stay back! The boy croaked. It's not me you should fear, the man spoke, his voice but a soft growl, eyes fixed on some point beyond the boy. Confusion nipped the boy's brow as he followed the man's gaze. What he saw sent him scrambling to his feet. A vague shape hovered in the mists. If the stranger had not pointed it out, the boy might have missed it altogether. The mist twisted into wide eyes and slitted pupils, and the outline of a lumbering body took form, visible where it pushed the fog away to leave a negative space. The boy squinted. Something else glistened in the foggy night teeth? He'd never seen anything like it, yet it somehow felt familiar, like the boy knew this thing. It drew him, compelled him toward it. He took a tentative step forward. Something cold pierced through his chest. The boy looked down in shock at the tip of a shining red blade. His mind raced as his breath grew choppy from panic, expecting pain and blood, but neither came. Instead, a strange numbness spread through his body. Behind him, he heard the man mutter under his breath. A strange sigil appeared in the air in front of them, as if painted by an invisible breast. A a word? A 
or name, the boy did not recognize. What? What? The man ignored him. My blade sees your true name, Azakana. The boy felt the sword pulled from his body, and he fell to his knees, gasping. His hands flew to his chest, but there, there was no puncture or wound. Even more strange, the boy felt lighter, as if some burden had been excised. He looked up, and a wall of teeth met his gaze. The creature lunged. A clash of steel rang out. The masked stranger stood before him, blades blocking the creature's massive, pale fangs. No, 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 it was not the man, but a shadowy spirit in his form. The boy looked behind him where the man himself stood, eyes closed as if in meditation. A shiver ran down the boy's spine as the chill in the air now seeped into his bones, and with each motion of the struggling monster and man, he felt his soul lurch and sway, their very existence exerting a palpable force over him. The boy stared in awe. What? What is he? The spirit swordsman pushed the creature back, then burst into swirling tendrils of smoke, washing over the boy as it returned to the body of the stranger. The hideous creature bellowed in rage. As the boy squinted, he could see other parts of the beast through the mist, matted fur, claws, a huge torso, but when he tried to focus on the whole body, parts would fade out of focus. <laughs> you dare deny what is already mine! A rasping, impossible voice reverberated in the boy's mind, cutting through the rattling growls he heard from the monster. <sighs> the boy belongs to me. The boy's stomach dropped. He can, he can speak? Nothing in this realm belongs to you, the man said unfazed. Cower, Tan Kuo! Though the words meant nothing to the boy, their utterance made his skin crawl. Yet their effect was far more pronounced on the creature, which emitted an ear-piercing squeal. Twisting, sinuous muscle wrapped around pale teeth and claws, four scarlet eyes narrowed on its horrific face, glowering atop a lumbering torso of gray hair that shimmered into existence, ephemeral wisps turned to flesh and bone. So you are named, the man said with a broken mask. So you are revealed. A defiant howl shook the ground. The man shifted his stance, crouching low as he brought both swords to bear. So you shall perish. The beast charged, but the stranger dashed forward so fast the boy nearly missed him. Swords sliced through the moonlight, one flashing silver, the other leaving a blood-red trail in his wake. Icker sprayed from the creature as it fell to the ground. Slumber, Azakana. You are unmoored from flesh. The man strode forward and plunged both blades deep into the creature. It roared and wheezed. The boy stared as its body dissipated into a swirling fog, its monstrous face contorting through a gambit of expressions as it shrank and calcified into an almost human-like appearance, finally assuming the shape of 
a mask. His eyes widened in recognition, though it still possessed the four eyes of the monster in a distorted, exaggerated pose. It looked almost mournful and eerily close to his own face. With a shudder, the mask floated upward towards the man's outstretched hand. With a fluid motion, he sheathed his sword and tied the mask next to the others on his waist. Then he turned to leave. What, what are you? The boy asked. Once I knew the answer, but now... The stranger paused. He fixed the boy with a steel gaze. A question tumbled from the boy's lips. Was that... was that thing... Me? Only a festered nightmare, feasting on your sorrows. But you aren't defined by it any longer. The boy bit his lip. It's it's my fault. I'm uh, I'm weak. I'm never good enough. My father was right. Without a sound, the man turned as though to approach. The boy recoiled almost by habit. The stranger's expression softened every so slightly. Those we love say the things that hurt us the most. The man pulled the mask from his waist, examining it. Despair devours our own voice, wearing the guise of reason, claiming to show us who we are. But it only shows us a warped version of our true selves. He turned the mask around and held it aloft for the boy to see. It seemed small, fragile, toothless. Pierce through its falsehoods to find your truth. The smallest hint of a smile crossed the man's face. And you'll be just fine, Andu. And with that, the stranger turned away, leaving the boy alone in the dark woods. A Sword Without a Sheath by Joe Lansford What is a sword without the man behind it? Teaching a swordsman to kill is simple. The true challenge lies in teaching him not to kill. When I watched my young brother begin training, he breathed life into the blade at first touch. One heard whispers in the halls comparing him to the sword masters of old, but as Yasuo grew and his skills increased, so did his ego. He was impetuous, boastful. He ignored our master's lessons and knew nothing of patience. Fearing my brother had strayed too far from the way, I went not to warn him, but, but to make an appeal to his honor, one Yasuo seemed to have forgotten. A seed is just a seed, but given time, one may come to know the beauty it holds within. Yasuo took my gift, and the following day he pledged himself to the Elder Soma. I had high hopes that he would learn the patience and virtue required of a true swordsman. It was not to be. Today, it seems clear to me that Yasuo murdered the very person he was sworn to protect. He's betrayed his nation, 
his friends, and himself. Were it not for my actions, I wonder if he would have ever been swept down this dark path. But my task is not to question. I must bear the burden of my duty. At first light tomorrow, I will set out to capture a sword without a sheath. My brother, Yasuo. There is so much good and wise things in this, from understanding the dangers and, uh, shall we say, pitfalls of arrogance. I've had to learn that one myself to the beauty of understanding our fears and our anxieties and our depressions don't define us. They're not a thing that they're very real in a, in a sense. And they are things that we have to learn to navigate, but our depression and our anxieties shouldn't become our identity not something that we define ourselves as. And what does it look like for us to face the reality that we live in while finding our more true identity in who we truly are, the creative or the musician or the writer or the mathematician or the mother, the father, the daughter, the brother, sister, the true friend, the... um, All of these things, things that are the truer, more noble, and beautiful things that uh, can define us. So I really like these two stories, and I'll keep you posted. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you all on the flip side.